0: What can you do if you want to be more mentally strong? Well, one way to look at it is not what to do, but what not to do. On today's show, a guest with me to teach all of us what the mentally strong people don't do. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 204. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Yes, you can lead, and this weekly show at the intersection of business and education will give you the tools and resources to do exactly that. And I'm glad that you tuned in today because this week's show, I have a guest with us that is going to provide the kind of perspective that I know will be really helpful to us on a practical level of what we can do to be mentally strong, and not only what we can do, but also what we shouldn't do. And I'm really thrilled to welcome Amy Morin to the show. Amy is a licensed clinical social worker, a psychotherapist, and she is the author of the book, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. She dealt with a lot of personal tragedy in her life in a short period of time, And she realized that having good habits wasn't enough. She also had to get rid of the bad habits. So in 2013, she wrote the list and posted it online called 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. And it went viral and was read and shared by millions of people in a matter of days. In fact, some of you may have seen that online. Amy, that must have been a really interesting experience to post something online and then all of a sudden have millions of people reading what you wrote.
1: It was. It was really surreal. I posted it and then within hours, you know, websites were getting bogged down because of all the traffic. And then about three days after I posted it, Forbes contacted me and said, oh, you know, we reprinted your list on our site. And then very quickly went viral on their site as well and had millions of views within days there. And so it was really incredible to watch it get passed around on Twitter and on social media and friends were contacting me saying, that's who just shared it and it would be some celebrity or politician or something. So it was fascinating to watch how quickly things can spread now in our digital age.
0: It really is. And I, I when I first saw the list uh, just a few days ago, actually, I, I was really captivated by the power of the list, but also the simplicity of it. And I think that's one of the reasons that it did get so much attention online. and and we're gonna get into uh, some of the things that you talk about that that strong people, mentally strong people don't do. But before we even get into the details of it, uh, I think it, it I know a little bit about your story from your website. Um, I think it makes sense maybe to kind of go back and, and just talk about where this list came from. What, what did you go through that? Cause you to sit down and even write this list in the first place,
1: yeah, it was really a something I'd learned over the years, and to fully understand it, you have to go back in time a little bit when I was twenty three I sort of thought, okay, I've got this incredible jump start on success in life. I graduated from college, got my first big job as a therapist, bought a house, got married, and I thought this is going to be great. And then the rug was pulled out from under me all of a sudden one day when my mother passed away suddenly from a brain aneurysm. And that was the first major loss I'd had in my life. And I had to figure out, okay, how do I how do I get through this? And it occurred to me, okay, I need to apply all the same skills I teach my therapy clients to my own life while I go through this grieving process. So I worked as hard as I could to develop all these good habits and... About three years after she passed away, um, my 26-year-old husband passed away suddenly from a heart attack. And then I found myself thinking, now what do I do? I'm a 26-year-old widow. I don't have my mother and I don't have my husband. And I'm down to one income. I have to go to work as a therapist every day. And so I took as much time off from work as I could, but I couldn't stay out of work forever. And it was during that really dark period in my life that I started to figure out, Sometimes it's not enough to have good habits. It only takes one or two bad habits to hold you back. And so I worked on getting rid of the little nagging bad habits that could also really hold me back. And and I always had hoped that someday life would get better. And I have to say it did. I got remarried a few years later and sold the house I had been living in with my first husband. We moved to a new area, started a new job, and I thought, okay, this is my fresh start in life. But just about at the same time I breathed that sigh of relief, my father-in-law was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And it was then that I started thinking, you know, I can't deal with this, and why do I always have to lose my loved ones, and this isn't fair. And, but I knew that, you know, thinking that way wasn't going to be good for me, it wasn't going to be helpful. So it was then that I wrote my list of the 13 things mentally strong people don't do, and it was really, at least for myself, as a reminder of, hey, don't do these things if you want to face your circumstances with as much strength as you're going to need. And I posted it to the web, thinking, eh, maybe they'll help somebody else. I had no idea it would go viral, of course. <laughs> and so it was this really surreal experience because millions of people were reading my article, but very few people knew why I wrote it. Mm. And so a few days after writing it, I was on Fox News talking about mental strength, but nobody knew what was going on in my personal life. And within about two weeks of when I wrote that list, my father-in-law passed away. And so I was really glad that I had that list for me because it was really intended for me. I certainly never intended to create an article that would go viral, never imagined I'd eventually write a book. I'm grateful those things happened, but ultimately I needed that list.
0: I am really, um, thanks for sharing your story. My goodness. What, a! I mean, I'm, I'm really, it's, it's so, it's hard to, for me to imagine how at the, at one hand on on a professional level, you have all this amazing things happening as far as this, this wonderful work you've produced going viral online and thousands and thousands of people contacting you and talking with you about it. And at the same time, dealing with a huge loss at the, at literally the exact same time within a matter of weeks, um, that must have been a really hard thing to navigate.
1: It really was. And you know, and again when I would go on I haven't I don't like to watch the interviews that I did on T V after those because people would ask me, you know, how'd they come up with this list? And I didn't want to open the floodgates on national T V. It was four days after my father in law passed away that Forbes interviewed me on camera and were asking me lots of questions and fortunately they were um very kind to me. They knew the real story, but I had said, I can't talk about it on camera. I'm not in any shape to do that. And so we just talked about my experience as a therapist and how I had developed it over the years. And we didn't mention what was going on in my personal life. And so for a while, I felt like I had this big secret (laughs) and I would do all these interviews and talk to all these people about this big viral article. And so then when a literary agent called me and said, you should really write a book, I said, i got to tell you something, and I told you the story, and I said, but I don't know if I want to share that with the world, but I'm glad that I chose to. I think that's helped make the article make a lot more sense when people understand the backstory and where it really came from.
0: Well, I am so glad that you did, and we're going to get into a few of these here in just a moment. And it's interesting to me that as I've come across people who have produced things for the world that are really good things, it's interesting how often those things are things that were... Um, that that person trying to do something that would be speaking to them first. Uh, I I know I just had a I just had a client uh, this morning who was talking about an article I had written and how it was helpful. To her and and I was thinking like, man, I was talking to myself in that article more so than anyone else. So I'm I'm really glad you started with that. And I, I think that that's a, an encouragement to to many of us out there who do have things that'd be of value to share to the world. Um, let's tackle a few of these. Now that we've we've talked about the power to list, let's actually get into it and and look at these. We won't have a chance to look at all 13, but I um you and I have selected four or five here that I think would be really helpful for leaders in our audience to consider and the first one is that the principle that um, people who are mentally strong they don't give away their power tell me more about what that means
1: yeah what that one really means is it's about giving away your personal power so sometimes people will say things like i have to work late well in reality there's consequences if you don't work late Maybe. Your boss will get upset with you or your job might be in jeopardy, but it's still a choice. And similarly, somebody will say, you know, my coworker drives me crazy. Well, it's really up to you how you react to your coworker. And so while other people can influence you, they can't make you feel anything. And so part of taking back your power is just recognizing that what you choose to do from the time you get up in the morning until the time you go to bed is a choice. And just changing the language that you use can really help you reframe how you look at things and to remind yourself, okay, I don't have to do this. I'm going to choose to do it, but it's a choice, or I'm not going to let somebody else ruin my whole day just because they're in a bad mood. And it it can really change your whole outlook on how you decide to approach your day and how you spend your time and who you're going to spend it with, and you recognize, okay, I don't have to do a lot of these things that I keep telling myself I'm forced to do.
0: Amy, I can see how that is such a powerful way to approach the world and just your own mental chatter that's going on in your mind on a daily basis. Um, and, and I also think for a lot of us, like our society makes that hard to do. When you're working with your clients and trying to help them to to, to hang on to their power and change their language around that, what do you find is helpful to people?
1: And you know, just figuring out, okay, what sort of boundaries can I set in my life and to set Emotional or physical boundaries is really scary for a lot of people because they don't, they're like, you know, I don't want my mother in law to be mad at me, so I let her come over and stay for four hours every evening. And so to figure out, okay, if you tell her no, she can't do that, yeah, she might be mad at you, but that's okay. And for people who aren't used to that, that's really scary, but sometimes it's just looking at the people who infringe on your time or the people that. And to bring out the worst in you and to say, what can I do so that I don't keep doing those things anymore? And sometimes it's just a matter of acknowledging it and then coming up with a plan of how am I going to move forward now so that I don't allow that to keep happening or that I don't view myself as a victim of other people's moods or circumstances. But really, how do I want to spend my day and how do I want to spend my time?
0: One of the other things you say about mentally strong people is they don't don't resent other people's success. I. It strikes me that that is something that's a real obstacle for a lot of people. Um, tell me more about that.
1: You know, for this one, too, I think when, when our lives are going well, usually it's easy to be happy for other people, whether your brother gets a promotion or your neighbor buys a, a brand new car. When you're doing well in life, you can think, wow, that's great. But when you're going through hard times, whether it's a financial problem or you have marital problems, whatever it might be. It's a lot harder not to look at other people and think, well, why can't I have that? But every minute you spend looking at somebody else's life and resenting them is the a minute that you take your eyes off your own goal. And I found a lot of people don't even really know what their goal is. They look around at other people and they think, well, I want that and I want that. But really, is that what you want? Do you want to maybe your neighbor works 120 hours a week? Is that really what you want? And so it's part of knowing what your values are in life and knowing, okay, if I behave according to my values, then I don't have to be resentful of other people who are doing what's important to them, even if it's different than what I have.
0: I'm fully conscious of you saying a few minutes ago how you wrote this list for yourself. And I can only imagine of after going through losing three very close family members in a short period of time, how you more so than anyone had the right to be resentful of the, you know, other people's, not only just success, but just not having to go through the tragedies you went through. How did you handle this? And and maybe where did you even fall short? And what did you learn from that experience when you were doing when you were going through this?
1: Yeah, there were times, you know, where I looked around and I thought, you know, some of my friends, they have their parents, their grandparents. They've never lost anybody. Why do I have to do that? But it was really a matter of changing the way that I thought about it to remind myself that it's not that, um, not being punished. It's not that who's more deserving and who isn't. There's nobody, no higher power that promises life is going to be fair and hands out a fair hand, you know, that it's all about just reminding myself that this is what it is and I can accept my situation and move forward without, without allowing myself to feel that. And, you know, when you want to change how you feel, the two things you need to change are how you think and how you behave So if I spent all my time just sitting and thinking about how unfair it was, I'd feel worse. So I really had to remind myself that I couldn't do that. I had to get out and instead of feeling bad about what I didn't have to celebrate what I did have. And one of the things that uh, I think was one of the most helpful things as I was going through all of this was when my um, husband's 20 should have been his 27th birthday as we were approaching that. I had said to my mother-in-law, what do you want to do that day? Because I couldn't imagine sitting at home and staring at the wall all day. But I also thought, I'm not going to be in good enough shape to go to work. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, what do you think about skydiving? And, you know, a <laughs> woman who was in her mid-50s and never jumped out of an airplane. And I was like, huh, sounds like a great idea. And, you know, since then, we've turned it on this whole family adventure where we swim with sharks and, take flying trapeze lessons and we do all this stuff on his birthday every year just to sort of say let's honor his memory and be happy for what we had rather than be angry and bitter that he's not here still and it's turned it into a day that we look forward to other than a day that we you know dread and get angry about and it's been i think one of the most helpful things through all of this because anybody who's lost somebody knows that birthdays and holidays and anniversaries those can be the hardest time but when you really say, okay, I'm going to make a conscious choice to do something so that I don't end up feeling all those terrible feelings, then it can really help you move forward.
0: Wow. I love it. I love it. Y- you say also that the mentally strong don't give up after the first failure. And, boy, we do see a lot of people who give up after the first failure, both of us in our clientele, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, that can be one of those things where when people fail, then they tend to develop these beliefs about themselves. If I fail at business, it means I wasn't meant to be an entrepreneur. Or if my first attempt to lose weight doesn't work, then there's no way I can ever lose weight in the future. And so for many people, it's about getting over that fear of failure. And I once worked with this man who was probably about 150 pounds overweight. And his doctor referred him to me because he was really taking no Initiative to lose weight, even though he was a fairly young guy, and he and I talked for a few weeks about you know healthy habits and weight loss and that sort of thing. And he said to me, well, "I can lose weight. I've done it before. I could do it again if I wanted to." I said, well, "What do you mean? You know, you lost weight before?" And he said, "Well, I lost over a hundred pounds." He said, "But I gained it all back, obviously, and then some." And he said, "You know, the worst thing was when I started losing weight, people would walk up to me." with this look of pride in their eyes, like, wow, you look great. He said, but then when I started to gain it back, they looked at me like they were disgusted. And he said, so I don't ever want to go through that again, that people are going to know that I have failed. It's one thing when you, you know, fail at at your business or you have a problem with money, the whole world doesn't know. But when you fail at losing weight, he said, everybody knows. And it was clear to me that until he got over his fear of failure – Anything else we did wasn't going to be effective. And I think a lot of us do that in our own lives too, where we just, that fear of failure keeps us from really trying our best when it comes to either our business life or our personal life, that we just are so afraid if this doesn't go well, then it means I'm a failure, that it really holds us back.
0: And this is one of those areas too, that I think society and organizations have really influenced a lot of us in our thinking on this is that there's not a there's no room for error and you can't fail in your role or position or with this client or there's no opportunity to learn and it is it's sad how many of us me included have that fear there in so many places and yet um it, and I'm sure you've seen these too I mean you see articles online especially from some of the top entrepreneurs of how they view failure as information <laughs> or a data point not as not as failure itself and how even advocating for failing more to get more information and more data about what works and what doesn't work and failing faster, and how that's such a necessary part of the learning process and of business and of being successful, and to the extent that they are looking for opportunities to to learn more and even to fail in some cases. And I think it's interesting how so many successful people, successful organizations have had many, many failures under their belt before they ever made it big.
1: That's just that it. it's a different mindset to be able to say, okay, I'm I can eventually get to success, but in order to get there, I'm gonna fail repeatedly, but that I can use that as a learning opportunity instead of the end of the road. And I think when people make that mental shift, it really changes their behavior and that they're able to go. Full force and and really say okay I'm committed to this because when you're not afraid of failure your behavior is going to be such that you can be more bold and courageous and and take those steps that you need to to find success.
0: I'm guessing that when you're working with people totally eliminating the fear of failure is is a really hard high bar to clear. Um, what is it that you found that maybe, maybe people still have the fear, but gets them over the top to be a little bit more courageous and actually to take action. When, when you think of the people you've worked with who have been able to clear that bar and actually have the courage outweigh the fear, what is it they've done? Is it a, is it a practice of thinking? Is it, uh, is it, is it just taking action? What works?
1: Yeah. You know, sometimes it's a matter of figuring out, well, what happens if you are a failure? And for some people, it's, well, my my friends and family will think less of me. So sometimes we do some behavioral experiments. Well, let's see, if you fail at something small, you know, do they really judge you? Do they really walk out of your life? And to be able to look at it that way, and for other people, it's, well, if I fail, then it means I'll never be successful. So then we start talking about, well, if you, you know, when have you failed in your life, and then what happened? Have you had any positive experiences of failure? And just like fear, no matter whether you're afraid of snakes, like I am, or you're afraid of flying in an airplane, we know exposure therapy is the best way to get over it. And so for some people, it's just taking small baby steps towards their goal and knowing that, yeah... There is a chance that you'll fail, but if you do, it's okay. And then to, when they do fall down, to then get get back up and know that you can still move forward. And when they see that that's not the end of the world, it gives them more confidence. Okay, if I can handle these smaller failures, then I can handle a medium-sized failure, and it won't be as disastrous as, or as catastrophic as I might imagine.
0: Well, and speaking of failure and success, I... You know, we have a lot of people in the community, the Coaching for Leaders community that have had career success. They're on the path of doing great things in their organizations. And I think that there's the tendency to fall trap on this this next point that you say mentally strong people um, don't do is they don't feel that the world owes them anything. And I, I, I think, uh, I know I've fallen into this trap on things that a lot of times when you've had success in something, you start to feel like you you're deserving of it or you're owed that success by the world or the people around you. Um, Tell me more about that. Why does that get people into trouble?
1: Yeah, that one can get us into trouble a few different ways, like you mentioned, when we think, okay, I'm great um, at doing A, B, and C, so then X, Y, and Z should go well, too. And sometimes it's a matter of this sort of sense of justice or fairness. I'll have some people say to me, well, you know, you deserve to have that article go viral because you went through so much bad stuff in life. But really, that's not true. There's nobody handing out, you know, fairness. of so you've de- dealt with this much hardship, so you deserve this this many positive things to try to outweigh it or make it even out in the end. It doesn't work like that. And sort of figure out, you know, to admit, I guess, that we're not as special as we might think. Unfortunately, we often give that message to kids, you're really special and you're... you know the fastest runner in the world and the best soccer player ever but I think that's really the wrong message because for them to know that there's a million other kids out there who are doing some of the same things and it really comes down to how much are you willing to work but to know that hard work alone doesn't necessarily equal success and that that's okay that can be really scary but at the same time to accept that life just isn't fair and sometimes you May end up with the short end of the stick, but sometimes you you may be okay too. And to move forward in life, just accepting that that's the way the world works, and there's nothing you can do to change that. But that but that it's okay anyway.
0: And it it, it I I just think that that probably is such a hard thing to for for a lot of us to do. Of like you know, you check all the boxes of getting certain degrees, getting certain experiences, or certain types of milestones in life, and yet to know that that doesn't necessarily mean the world owes you anything. It's it's easy to hide behind that, isn't it, in a lot of cases, to um, to forget that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I see this a lot with college students who will say, well, you know, I have a degree, so I deserve a job when I get out. You know, the world owes me a job. But just because you spent a lot of money on a college degree doesn't guarantee that you're going to get a job. And those sorts of things that I think are so ingrained sometimes that it's really hard to know, okay, I don't necessarily deserve as much as I think I do. And, you know, then to practice gratitude, you know, I can be grateful for what I have rather than digging in my heels and saying I deserve better than what I have.
0: Yeah. And, and this is one of those things, too, that it's so easy to like point the finger at other people and, like, oh, you know, you, you should never expect a job just because you have a degree. And then I think back to like things that I've expected in my life just because of <laughs> things I've had. I'm like, ooh, okay, pot calling kettle black. <laughs> so, right,
1: exactly. <laughs> and
0: and I, I would really encourage all of us who are, are listening to this conversation to think, like, okay, maybe that's not your thing, but it's what is the thing that maybe you have the expectation around that isn't necessarily the thing that um, that the world owes to you, and and I know I've I've got a few to work on myself. Um, speaking of uh, speaking of working on these, so the thirteenth one on your list is they don't ex the the people who are mentally strong don't expect immediate results. Why is that such an important principle?
1: Well, you know, I think in today's digital world, that one's particularly tough because we're so used to. No lines, no waiting, and getting everything at a click of a button, but a lot of other things in life don't happen overnight. So when people are working on becoming mentally strong, it doesn't happen overnight, and people will often ask me, well, what's the timeline? If I get rid of these 13 habits, will it be two weeks that I see results, or are we talking two months, or they really want to know, when will I start to when will my life improve? But it's really about how much work you put into it, and there's no guarantee that one week from now your life's going to be magically improved. And I think a lot of us give up and we don't see huge drastic results really fast. And, to know, that it's really about staying, staying the course. And I see this in my therapy office quite, quite often where people will say, well, therapy's not working. I've been here three weeks and my life's not better. And it's a matter of talking to them about, well, you know, you had a rough childhood and two divorces and 10 years of depression. Three weeks really isn't enough time to get rid of that. It's going to take more time. And it's not what people want to hear. we all wish we could wake up tomorrow and things would be magically different, but it's really about investing the time and the energy and and committing to things over the long haul if you really want to see results
0: oh, and what an example you are of this Amy of you know really your post didn't go viral in just a couple of days, really, if we really think about it, it was over a course of years because what you learned what the content of what went into that article were the things that you were working through, struggling with for years, going through all those tragedies, and it just so happened it manifested in a in a viral article. But, but really, that was a long-term struggle for you, I imagine.
1: Oh, I'm glad you brought that up, because sometimes people will say to me, yeah, but didn't you get immediate results? You posted that to the web, and then all this stuff happened. But, you know, you're exactly right. That wasn't just something I came up with on a whim one day, thinking, hey, I'll write this article. And I certainly never imagined that, it would go viral. And what other people don't realize, too, is I'd written for content for the Internet since 2007. I'd never had anything go viral before. It wasn't like I just wrote one article and, and got a book deal. It certainly was a culmination of lots of things that all came together and made that article be able to be successful. But um, it was a hard journey getting there. I wish I could have learned those lessons much, in a much easier fashion.
0: Yeah. And just so the timing isn't lost on anyone, you started posting things in in 2007. This article went viral in 2013. That was six years of you posting things online, writing, working hard, working through all these struggles. Six years is a really long time. And that's that's the part that I think is left out of a lot of the quote unquote success stories out there is almost always and, and with my clients and I'm, I'm sure you see this too, Amy, is that when you hear about a great success story or an entrepreneurial success or someone doing something great online, um, you hear about like the big success or the big moment, uh, but you don't hear about the seven, eight, ten years that led up to that. And on the rare occasions where there truly was like an overnight success. It seems to me that the situations that I've really heard of that happening, it seems like it's more of a flash in the pan. Like, you know, it's just, it's not sustainable and and it's not something that, the, that that person or that organization ultimately can sustain over time.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there is the rare story of somebody that, you know, wins the lottery the first time they played or something like that. But, you know, for the most part, most of us, you don't just, it just doesn't happen. And I think if it did happen that way, I and mean, we went back to the lottery winner's, the vast majority of them end up broke years down the road. And so I yeah. think it's really about earning your success makes it taste much better than if you were to just wake up tomorrow and have everything you wanted. But when you've really earned it over a course of time and you've put in the hard work and the energy, I think it feels much better too.
0: So no shortcuts here. Hard work, genuine learning. That's what it's all about, huh?
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Amy, we could talk for hours <laughs> on the rest of the list. Unfortunately, we don't have the time. And I do want people to get uh, in touch with you and hopefully go check out the book to really uh, get the rest of these principles and to get your thinking on this because it's it's such great stuff. And um, I know that the book's available online. And uh, at the time we're airing this, which is on uh, August 10th, 2015, uh, there's actually a pretty good deal going on right now for your book, right?
1: Yes, the Kindle version of my book it'll be on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and wherever else you can buy an ebook It's on sale for a dollar ninety nine but it's just for a limited time only.
0: Wow, so you can't beat that two bucks and you get all thirteen of the principles, but more importantly, you really get the stories and the information that that goes along with it um and uh, I think you'll find like I did that there's there's so much wisdom here and 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 it's practical wisdom from someone who's really uh walked or talked amy uh for those who want to find out more, not only uh checking out the book but uh, would like to connect with you online what's the best way for folks to track you down
1: um uh, my website is amy morin m o r i n l c s w is in licensed dot com
0: cool well, I'll have the link to that in the show notes and amy uh I'm so glad you took the time to join us today. And more importantly, I'm really glad that you took some real tragedies in your life um, and turned them into something that could be a benefit, not only to you and your family, but to so many other people. So thanks for being a leader in that way.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me.
0: Amy Morin is the author of the book, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. So here's a do-it-yourself personal development plan, if you're looking for one, is go grab the book, two bucks, and take the 13 principles, focus on one per week, 13 weeks, that happens to be exactly one quarter of the year, and utilize it to start to enhance your mental toughness from someone who's been there think you'll find that this is a great way to do that. So check it out online. And thanks to Amy for sharing her story with us. I I hope you found it inspirational as I did. And just as importantly, that it gave you something, at least one thing that you can take and put into your practice this week that will help you to check yourself and engage in being more mentally tough in your own workplace and in your own personal life. And those things will help you to be more effective as a leader in whatever environment you're leading in. As always, I welcome your comments, questions, or any feedback that you have. The show notes for this episode are at coachingforleaders.com 204. Or for those of you who get the weekly leadership guide, you'll get those on email on Wednesday. As always, I welcome your questions for the next Q&A show, which will be coming up on episode 208 and the best way to submit questions is coachingforleaders.com/feedback you can record your question right there and Bonnie and I will consider that for a future show and if you're not already subscribed to this show and you've just picked it up today please do so and you'll get episodes every monday just search uh, do a search for coaching for leaders on iTunes, Stitcher or whatever app You've used to listen to this show. And while you're online, take a moment to join my weekly leadership guide that I mentioned a moment ago. The guide is delivered to your inbox on Wednesdays and includes resources on articles, podcasts, videos, and has a theme each week of something that I think will be helpful to you between the shows that are aired. So it'll also include an overview of the weekly show notes, all of the links books, uh, references that we talk about in each show that always comes at the bottom of that guide every Wednesday. And of course, when you join that weekly leadership guide, you'll get access to my reader's guide that lists the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others. So if you want to further that personal development plan, that's a great list to start from too. It's an 11-page reader's guide and nine-minute video I've produced highlighting the content of those books. And those are great places for you to start on your leadership development journey. You can get access to all of that at coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. Thanks as always for joining me for this week's show. Thanks again to Amy. And I look forward to speaking with you again next Monday. Have a great week and take care.